The National Independent Venue Association, or NEVA, was created during the pandemic to save venues across the U.S. from going out of business. In the last few years, it has transformed into a powerful organization for advocacy in the live music industry. Welcome to the future of what? I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. On today's episode, we talk to Executive Director Stephen Parker about what the group is working on in the legislative space and what issues should concern everyone interested in music today. It's all coming up on The Future of What. Can I have a taste of your ice cream? Can I lift the crumbs from your table? Can I interfere in your crisis? No, mind your own business. No, mind your own business. My guest today is Stephen Parker. He is the executive director of the National Independent Venue Association, or NEVA. Stephen, welcome to The Future of What? Thanks so much, Portia. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here. Um, We have spoken, not you and I, but I have spoken on this podcast about NEVA before, but just for the benefit of those listeners who may not realize uh, how NEVA came to be in the pandemic of delightful 2020, uh, maybe you could just give us a quick overview of, of how the organization popped into existence. Absolutely. So the the National Independent Venue Association is the national trade association for independent live entertainment. We represent promoters, venues, festivals, performing arts centers, theaters. If there's a stage and there's a performance on it, they're they're a part of us. Um, We were formed in March of 2020 uh, in the midst of what was a terrible time for everybody across the world, but especially for our industry because our rooms were closed. There was no revenue, and which means there was a significant loss of jobs and of cultural spirit in every community that these stages create. This organization was founded with one purpose in 2020, which was to get federal funding to reopen these venues when state and local regulations allowed and in eight months during the first few months of this this organization's existence they secured uh, what is called the shuttered venue operators grant from congress which was approximately 16.25 billion dollars which to this day is still the largest arts investment in u.s history that is incredible that is really incredible And, you know, sort of the rest is history in that you guys were able to help keep a lot of historic, classic and fabulous venues open that would not have been able to stay open because, of course, you know, in a live business, you know, having no opportunity to have any live performers pretty much effectively kills your business. Exactly. And, you know, during 2020, the number of artists like Neil Young and Dave Grohl and others who stepped up and helped us in that fight, they said what all of the young and up and coming artists know now is true, which is without these stages, there would be no place for artists to begin their careers. So while the live entertainment sector and live music sector is often put into a separate category, this ecosystem of music that's created by live, I think from our perspective, the recording industry relies upon these stages existing for their artists to have sustainable careers. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, from my perspective as president of the Music Business Association, I mean, every every piece of the recorded music industry depends on artists being able to perform live. I mean, it's, you know, there, there are plenty of other places where artists can make money, 
but in terms of you know creating that connection with their fans that creates careers you know live is pretty much second to none we couldn't agree more yeah absolutely so uh you have been in this job for a little over a year a year and two days (laughs) congratulations (laughs) thank you on your anniversary happily you came in you know once the shuttered venue grant had been provided so what is what is neva's focus now you know, as I've been saying, and as as some of the anecdotal evidence has shown, listen, we saved an industry, but we saved it from the COVID-19 closures. We still have independent venues of all sizes, but particularly small venues that are still struggling. Um, many venues have not yet seen their revenues get to where they were in 2019. And so really, you know, I came in a year ago with the mission of making life easier for our members and using our platform and our resources in order to do that. So one, we continue our advocacy, except instead of just at the federal level, we have empowered our chapters. We have chapters and we have 26 chapters across the country that are really fighting at the state and local level for two things. One, primarily a seat at the table for policy decisions, for decisions that are made by elected and appointed leaders at the at the state and local level to make sure that they are in the room and also to fight for resources. Sometimes that's direct resources, sometimes that's resources for artists so they have the money to tour and be on stage and other times that's just making sure that there's enough parking around their venue or that sound ordinances make it so that they can stay open later at night or making sure that there's public transportation that runs late at night so that uh, their customers aren't stranded after a show is over. There is so much of what we do in our section of the music industry really depends on the basic services of state and local governments. And just like any small business, we need to make sure that we have a voice and seat at the table. And then finally, it's just member services. It's making sure that we are showing value where we can. And before I got here, the two and a half years that they spent at Neva was spent primarily on advocacy. But since I've been here, you know, our new president, Andre Perry from the University of Iowa's Hanshire Auditorium, and I have really focused on making sure that we are building out member services. We will launch a group purchasing program this month for our members. We will have resources for insurance and safety on our website uh, and for available to all of our members. We will make sure that we're creating more community. We'll have the third year of our conference this year for a three and a half year, or, uh, year old organization. The number of member services we have is significant, but we feel the need to grow those member services, but also deepen our quality. And that's what we're focused on doing. We should truly be a trade association that makes our industry more sustainable. I think that's really great because one of the things that really came out of conversations during the pandemic, we did about, well, we did over 70 virtual events, um, talking to all sectors of the industry about all sorts of different things, but we did several on the live sector. And one thing that really came out is that prior to the pandemic, the live sector in in the U.S. music industry was really, really fragmented. People didn't really get together. It, it's weird when you think about it. You know, it's it, it's almost like everybody was like, well, I have my tiny piece of pie over here. And, you know, I don't <laughs> I'm not going to talk to you because, you know, it's almost a scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like the pandemic really um, threw that into high relief and everybody realized, wait a second, we have to work together if we're going to survive at all as a whole. 
So that's quite interesting. That's what you guys are working on. Well, it is. And also I would just say that, you know, the, the, the walls that have been broken down and the silos that have started to get shattered are, are significant. You know, why we had a record label. I don't think they'd mind if I mentioned them Interscope. We had a wonderful conversation before the holidays and they are, they basically committed to do whatever they could to help make sure that these stages existed for their artists and the artists that, that are, are yet to even be on their label. I think what we've seen as far as a commitment from the recorded side to um, the live side over the last three years has been ins- inspirational and we want that to continue. Absolutely. So what are you guys focused on in terms of some of the national advocacy work that's going on? I mean, I know there's a lot going on around ticketing, for example. Are you guys involved in that? We are. (laughs) And I think you could say that one of my full-time jobs last year was the ticketing reform debate in Washington, D.C., uh, I am fortunate enough to be based here, and I will just say that you know, once we got Save Our Stages done, it became immediately apparent to our board and to our team that ticketing was the next advocacy push. And what we are seeing in the ticketing debate is really what many other organizations are seeing as well, which is an increasing amount of consumer abuse and a lack of consumer protection in the secondary market. Um, We want to see transparency across all uh, of the ticketing industry, both primary and secondary. But what we are seeing is money being taken out of the pockets of artists due to the use of fake or speculative tickets and the the widespread um, proliferation of speculative and fake tickets. We're seeing deceptive websites and URLs and marketing and advertising being set up through search platforms like Google that trick consumers into thinking that they're buying a ticket from the venue or the primary ticketing provider that the venue has selected in order for that fan to see their artist. And in reality, they're buying from a secondary reseller that set up a site that looks exactly like ours. And they're paying more. In many cases, they're paying uh, an exceeding amount more, up to 7,000%, including uh, according to a report that was done by the New York Attorney General's office, for tickets that may be available at face value still from mm. the venue. So we are working at the federal level and actually this year even more increasingly at the state level to make sure that there are protections in place and that this proliferation doesn't continue. Yeah, that's the positive side of regulation, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's tons of research that's been done um, that's been sort of trickling out into the world about the important part that live music and music in general plays in local ecosystems, local communities. You know, there have been a number of studies done in different cities about how much money comes in. You know, when one show happens, how many dollars go back into the local uh, community's pockets. And I just wondered if you guys interact with that uh, world a lot. I mean, we are, listen, economic impact is how we tell our story. What you know, Portia, and I think what many of your listeners probably will realize when they think about it is that live performance has existed in our country since its founding, but it's only had a national voice and a national association in the last three and a half years, Hmm. which means we have a lot of catching up to do, especially in regards to data. You know, there are some studies out there that have been commissioned by large multinational publicly traded companies, and, and those are helpful. But they, they don't give a complete picture of, of kind of what specifically the independent live entertainment sector and event sector provides to communities, but also nationally. 
we are starting to get better data, including from Americans from the Arts. Their Arts Economic Prosperity Project was just released for the seventh time back in November, and that provides some really critical data for us to tap into, but that's mainly the nonprofit sector. We are in the middle of trying to see what we can do to tap into SBA data, data that we have available at our disposal, data that ticketing companies have available at their disposal to see if we can't better tell the story around what our economic impact is. You heard us, Portia, during 2020, making the case for Save Our Stages, our Shutter Venue Operators grants, um, by saying that for every dollar that's invested in communities, $12 is generated in economic activity in those neighborhoods where those venues are. And that's great, but that was a study that was limited solely to the Chicago area. We need more data that tell better tells our national story. And the good news and bad news is that because of what happened during us as COVID-19 and during the development of SVOG, we have a tremendous amount of data, but we have to figure out how to harness it and organize it and make sure that it, it's, it's, it is presented in a way that can better tell our story. So for us, the, the way to tell our story to the industry to show our value in this space, but also to tell our story to governments is through that economic impact data. And that's, that's probably one of our top priorities this year. That's awesome. Do you think, I mean, I'm just circling back to what you said at the beginning, you know, the largest arts grant ever by the federal government was Save Our Stages. Do you feel like that sort of, I don't know, like is a new harbinger? Like, do you think the government is is going to become more interested in arts funding in the future? Or do you think that was sort of a one-time deal? Well, I think the thing that Neva did differently than than what had been done in the past is that we weren't we weren't messaging on why we needed resources because arts is a social good, even though it is, and we strongly agree with that. We were messaging on why we needed these resources uh, based on the fact that we are an industry that matters to the U.S. economy. I mean just with the two largest tours in 2023 that we don't need to say who which two artists they were you know we saw uh, venture capital and private equity and investment firms like doing calls on like the impact of 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 the economic activity that was generated just by these two tours imagine factoring in the 8000 performing arts centers promoters agencies and venues that are that are operating every day in communities across the country you know, that is a story that needs to be told better. And I think what we see at the federal level with SVOG and with Save Our Stages is that it gives us legitimacy and that's important, but the federal level is not set up for the replication of what we saw in 2020. The National Endowment for the Arts is a wonderful agency and it is so important for the nonprofit arts sector and the nonprofit performance sector, but it systematically excludes uh, a large sector of the music and events industry based on their tax status. And I think that if you would look across federal agencies in any other sector, I can't see a similarity in any other sector other than the arts sector. So I think for us to replicate at least the conversation and seat at the table that we're looking for, we're not looking for $16.25 billion again. We were looking for a continued seat at the table to shape policy and to have a voice at the federal level. and. I think the NEA is doing a great job at starting to include those voices, but the way that it's set up is is for nonprofit arts. And I think we need to look closely at that to make sure that it's more inclusive in the future. And on that note, Stephen Parker is the executive director of NEVA. Stephen, thanks so much for all you do. And thanks for being with us on the future of what today? Thanks, Portia. Thanks for all you do. 
we'll see you in May in Nashville. Awesome. And that's our show. Our theme song is Mind Your Own Business by the Delta Five and is played by permission. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Today's show was engineered by Clark Buckner at Relationary Marketing in Nashville and was produced by Dana Rogers and Henrik Bick. I'm Portia Sabin, president of the Music Business Association. See you next time. Can I have a taste of your ice?